welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So happy to be here today. Yes. And I'm especially excited because this is actually a bonus episode that is published on Gold Star Family Day. And once again, Jenny Lynn, I have to thank you for (laughs) continuing to remind me of what is going on in our military community. And, you know, the interesting thing is I didn't actually know that I was a Gold Star family member until a couple of years ago when I started holding down the fort. I don't know if I gloss over my story or I talk about it like it's not a big deal, but After we lost my dad in 1998, we just catapulted into civilian life. Like I didn't even know a title such as Gold Star family member existed until, like Mm -hmm. I said, I started holding down the fort and realizing that there are just so many different types of layers in the military community. There's so many different ranks, as we know, there's army, there's Navy, there's the Marines, there's you know, there's military spouses, there's MILSOs as in military significant others. And then there's Gold Star family members. I mean, there's just so many aspects to this military life. And Jenny Lynn, you often remind me that there is less than 1% of of our American society that is actively in service, you know, including Mm -hmm. the spouses that just goes over my head, you know? So once again, I just have to thank you for continuing to help me keep a pulse in our community. I'm happy to keep you in the know on all things, you know, active duty military culture and glad that we have the opportunity to bring things like this to light because I mean, I think you're right. If you're not actively living in it every day, it's really hard to know all the things that are going on. And even when you are living in it every day, you don't necessarily know every little thing. I mean, like you mentioned, every service is a little bit different and the things we do are a little bit different, but you know, being able to be part of this community and then share the things we do in this community with others, I think is really why you and I are here. Yes. Word. I agree. (laughs) So without further ado, I'm really excited to have this conversation today because I'm bringing on Dennis Schroeder, who is the founder of the Price of Freedom Foundation. And we actually have been working together for almost a year now in uncovering my dad's story. I often talk about how we lost him, but I don't often talk about his life. I don't often talk about like what he went through, like what his service was like. I mean, heck, I didn't even know this. Dennis told me this through the research he's been working on with our family that my dad actually served in the army in the Philippines before he served in the U.S. Navy. And so without further ado, before I keep talking and being overly caffeinated here, let me go ahead and bring on Dennis. (laughs) Dennis, finally, welcome to our show here on Holding Down the Forts. Well, thank you so very much, Jen and Jenny Lynn. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm just curious if you have any initial opening thoughts about, you know, how we met and what it has been like to work with me as well as our family. Oh, yes, certainly. Well, 
it's been a pleasure working with you and with your family. I mean, I'm this is a new enterprise for us. I guess you would say we've started about two years ago with this idea that I've had that the families of our fallen really deserve to have the their loved one's story told and preserved for future generations. And just working with you has been a real godsend and a pleasure because your father's story is the first story that we are working on. And I had these thoughts in my head that, oh, what could go wrong if this happened or that happened? And none of that has occurred here with you or any of the other members of your family that I've interacted with thus far. So yeah, and you know, we were further along, but that's kind of, I guess, my personality is like, I like getting things done. And you know, when we get delays for this, that, or the other thing, it's like, ah, I just kind of beat myself up a little bit about it, but we're going to do our very best to honor your father and to give you and your family something that you will treasure you know, for a very long time in the future. Yeah. And I absolutely appreciate that considering how in your situation, like you are not a direct you know, goal star family member, but right. there is a part of your story that inspired you to focus on this particular very tiny you know, demographic, you know, this title that a lot of people wouldn't want to wear, you know, I mean, you know, you don't expect to end up wearing this kind of title, should anything happen to your service member. And so tell us about just that quick story of what compelled you to be like, you know what, I want to write about the life of, you know, a service member that had passed away for these gold star families. Sure, absolutely. Well, it's kind of interesting, you talked about, you know, living the life, because I guess I would say I've lived the life almost my entire life, I was born into a Navy family. My father retired from the Navy when I entered high school. I thought I was going into the Navy. So in high school, I was in the Sea Cadets. So that was kind of sort of sponsored by the Navy Reserve. So I spent four years doing that and found out I have defective color vision. So the Navy said, you can be a Marine. And though I have a lot of Marine friends, my father and I were thinking Blue Water Navy. And so we were quite disappointed. The Army offered me an ROTC scholarship. uh, So I went through four years of Army ROTC served a total of 24 years on active duty as a medical service corps officer in the Army. And a couple of the positions I held after retirement were in support of the military, uh, specifically the Army Medical Department, and then uh, as an outreach to a College of Nursing to the broader military community. So this has been a part of my life. In fact, I'm one of those old codgers that if they allowed me to still be in uniform on active duty, I would be. <laughs> I feel like Scott says that sometimes. It's like, oh, if they ever call me, I go back. I'm like, no, like you've already served. Like, don't put me through that. Uh, but I love that. I, but, I love your love for the military community. And I guess in answering the question of why did I come up with this particular element or niche, I guess it's because... Number one, I did not personally know very many people who died while in military service. My time in the service was primarily during the Cold War era. And so there were two people that I knew, one better than the the other, who had died. One was a classmate of mine at Command and General Staff College who didn't show up uh, for class one morning. They went and found her in her apartment, and she had died of a brain aneurysm. She was not married, didn't have any kids, didn't, you know, but I, it's like it shocked all of us. And the second was somebody that I went to a six-month military school with, my officer advanced course, and actually helped him to get assigned to a unit that wound up being deployed to the first Gulf War. 
And he was a full-time reservist and wound up, he'd been living in, in Puerto Rico. He was going to this unit in Minnesota and we wound up getting him assigned to that, that unit. He had a house built. He never set foot in that house. His unit was deployed. He joined up with the unit as they were heading overseas. He got sick while he was there in country and was uh, medically deployed back, eventually wound up in the old Walter Reed Army Medical Center, and he never left there. He, he died of his illness. Wow. And so that was one that hit me hard because for a long time, I felt some sort of a guilt with that because I had a hand in getting him into the unit. I never really knew exactly what uh, it was that he contracted, whether he contracted something there, whether it was like a cancer that hadn't been uh, noticed before or not, but that really bothered me a lot. And then years later, when the post 9-11 era started and our wars in Afghanistan and Iraq were going, I was noticing periodically there'd be positive pieces in the media about people who had suffered, had died. Had, uh, basically, I thought they did a decent job of telling that person's story. And I loved it because having grown up in the Vietnam era, I was accustomed to having you know, seeing people or pieces in the media that were not good about military service and people in the military. And so I was at first happy to see that. And then immediately I would be thinking about what about the other folks? What about everybody else? Don't their families suffer as bad or, or worse because they're forgotten? And so that really just percolated in my head for you know, slowly over the years. And when I was working for the College of Nursing, I was kicking this idea around and talking to fellow veterans and saying, hey, I've been thinking about this. Why, you know, hasn't somebody else already started doing something like this? And we really found that there were only individual families that would start doing some things, kind of like what your family started to, to do. And I said, you know, it's something that we should do. We have, as a society, as a country, have the technology to make it so much easier to go and to uh, interview people and to collect the various pieces of the story. These families deserve it. Yes, it takes a lot of time, energy, and money to make this happen. But I think that you and your family and all the others who have lost someone that was dear to them while they served in the military deserve to have their loved one's story told. And as uh, we've discovered here, it, and we're not through with the process yet either, but that there are pieces to your father's life, and I would say most everyone's life, that not everybody in their family knows about. And not from a sense that, oh gosh, that's something to be ashamed about or something they were trying to hide, but it's just a, a blank piece of information that really, when you discover it, says, wow, I really didn't know this about him. That really makes their story and their life even more interesting and precious than you knew about before. Yeah. I mean, Dennis, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I have a response to that, but I, I thought I'd uh, check in with Jenny Lynn. Jenny Lynn, you work closely with uh, Leslie McCadden, who is a Gold Star wife, and her episode will be coming out immediately after this, actually. And so you are inundated with just what it's like to be an active duty military family. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on what it's like to hear all this, everything that Dennis and I are talking about at the moment. I mean, I find it fascinating, your story of like how you went from, you know, active duty army to writing about other family members. 
what struck me is how Jen also talks about, you know, she didn't even know she was a gold star family. I think now it's a really great time to go, well, then I'm a blue star family because people often have no idea what either of those are. And, you know, I'm a blue star family because I have a member of my family who's in the service. You know, I just really have great respect for you sharing people's stories. I think in many ways, I am grateful to be part of the post 9-11 era of service in that by and large, the press has been positive towards service members and their families. And so thank you for continuing the good press. Well, absolutely. And hopefully we can do this for a large number of people. Basically, our goal is to provide this service for any family that wants it. And my philosophy in this is that we define a gold star family or any story that we want to tell is one where the family members want it told. So we don't discriminate in terms of, well, was this person, did they die at their own hand? I mean, I've, I have been in conversation with some of the gold star wives in the North Pacific Northwest. I'll be talking with them sometime next month. And I was told that sadly within the gold star community that some of those families that are just excluded because their loved one committed suicide. And from my perspective, that's horrible. I mean, that family uh, has suffered a loss. And I, I think that that, especially as we're trying to deal with veteran suicides and, and suicides in the service, we should be doing more to help these families and help these soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, veterans, rather than excluding people. So they're all included in what we want to do for them. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that September is also Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And just like what we'll be hearing with Leslie McCadden's story immediately after this is that her husband did unfortunately take his life and she identifies. She's like, I identify as a gold star wife. Um, yes. And so I really like that you are validating these stories. And so what comes to mind for me and everything that you shared so far, you said a key word that really sticks to me and it's the word forgotten. I felt forgotten, you know, as a gold star daughter for a very long time. I just didn't feel like I, I didn't even understand my worth, you know, and 20 plus years later, working with my husband, working with the military community. And I often mention this on the show is that I actually really had the imposter syndrome starting holding down the fort because I thought, well, who am I to, you know, to do a show on our active duty military families? And I just realized that I was a gold star family member. Like, what does that even mean? You know, it, it took me to you know, get involved with other gold star organizations, or gold star family related organizations to realize like, oh, this, this is a very tiny or very overlooked demographic in the military community. And so the word forgotten really speaks to me because that is how I felt, you know, and despite my own fears or insecurities about that, like I show up because I learn more and more with every conversation we have on the show, the responsibility to create awareness of a story such as ours as a Gold Star family member. And so the fact that, you know, we were connected through Rebecca Hyde. So shout out to Rebecca Hyde. And she had mentioned so casually, actually, she's like, oh, there's a guy that's working with Gold Star families. You should chat with him. Little did I realize how significant our working relationship is going to be. Because for me, I had come to terms with the loss of my dad years ago, uh, because after we lost him, even when I brought up to my family that I was interested in his story, my family wasn't very responsive to that. 
And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to grieve on my own. And so now you have been working primarily, you know, with my sister. And this is like the first time in her life, you know, at least from my perspective, for her to actually want to know about dad and to want to know about her family story. And so I want to thank you for like part of why I appreciate working with you, Dennis, is like, you know, there's a lot of things that come up in this type of work that it's so great to have you as a third party to be able to look at this objectively and piece our dad's story together. So I just want to publicly thank you for that. And I kind of knew that in the back of my head when we first got connected and I learned about your organization, but to see how this has unfolded in this year alone makes me appreciate you that much more for being that middle person. And I hope that any Gold Star family member that's listening to this, that is ready to share their story. I hope they know the benefit in having a third party such as yourself to do this. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm glad that you are validating that. When I was first getting started with this, I got connected with the Army Survivor Outreach Services Program Office at Fort Campbell. and was able to participate in some of the teleconferences that they were doing. And they had a guest on there that uh, was from USHUS, the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. And this person was talking about some long-term studies that they were doing for military survivor families. And I want to mention this because of a couple of things that you touched on here. And that is that they said that study results, they did a 10-year study and they were starting a second one. And they named a number of key results. But one of the ones that stood out for me was the fact that typically six months to a year after a military person has passed, their loved ones have the sense that, that they've been forgotten and that their sacrifice is no longer honored. And so it just struck me that I really believe that by telling these stories and being able to tell them, number one, for posterity, by producing a written book that you can hand down to future generations is important, but also because we're in a video-centric society to use the interviews that we do to create documentary-style telling of the same story is important because as long as we can get that story told and being seen by people on an ongoing basis, I firmly believe that they will not be forgotten. And that sense of the surviving family will be less that that is the, you know, that that is the case. So yeah, definitely, that is definitely what we are all about. And we definitely want any gold star family that wants our service to have a conversation with us because you know that's they're who we are here to serve well, i also guess i wanted to mention too because the having lived so long both as a military family member and then in the military myself that we sit in a situation where we are all aware that we could be asked to make that supreme sacrifice at any time But at the same time, we kind of walk and live in denial. And part of it is most of us were really young when we did that. You know, I was a teen in early 20s. It's like, yeah, you know, it happened to somebody else. It won't happen to me. I'll survive it. But I think that a lot of what happens, just my sense, is that, you know, what happens to the Gold Star families is that, you know, they're, they're no longer part of the community you know, you're having to move off base, you're going back home to wherever home is. And the rest of us who are still on that base or on that ship or wherever, 
we kind of continue to march on and don't have to realize and face the reality that these gold star families are going through. And so it's kind of a denial mechanism, I think, that yes, we know it's going to happen, but no, we're not really facing it up front here with the, the survivors. Yeah, it's kind of like a out of sight, out of mind situation. And again, going back to that key word, like forgotten, mm-hmm. it's like there's already that denial that you explained so eloquently. And if it actually does happen, especially if you're not directly involved in it, you just, you know, kind of want to keep moving forward. I know you keep bringing up the word forgotten and it as an active duty spouse whose husband, we're still Blue Star. And as I was listening to both of you talk about forgotten and just kind of how once you go from blue to gold, the whole culture shifts. It's a hard thing as someone who's active duty to realize that like, there are probably ways in which I've been part of the problem of people feeling forgotten because it is really, really difficult to come to terms with that over and over and over again. You know, on the flip side, I think it reminded me very much of an experience I had not too long ago. And when you spoke about serving during the Cold War, you know, we're in a big shift now where we are out largely of most of the ground wars that we've been in. And we are really shifting to a naval warfare more and more, more similar to the Cold War era than ever before. And, you know, I'm a Navy spouse. And as a Navy spouse, like you have this false sense of security of this. My husband's only ever been on aircraft carriers. And so you just have this, like, it's huge, right? Like what's going to happen, you know, and you just kind of live in this, "Eh, there's a ship, like it's big, there's some weapons, you know, what's going to happen. And I have had the experience of living both the blue and green side. My husband did a ground deployment with the army and just the level of emotion and fear and anxiety that came with the switch is something I'll never forget. And it is always at the forefront of my mind, especially as we switch more toward a naval warfare type um, national defense, because it feels so much more real. And I think that I'm very sad to hear that Gold Star families often feel forgotten because I know for myself, that's never my intent, but it's really hard to look it in the face. So I appreciate the work that you're doing to let people know those people's stories. I love a good story. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's many, many, many out there and just working with Jen and her family about her father, Alfonso, it's like what I really appreciate is getting to piece these elements together and being able to you know to do the interviews to listen to the interviews that others have done to view the other things that they've been able to, to provide us copies with old family home movies and you know photographs and stuff like that it really does help to bring his story to life for me and that is our goal for you know when we finish our work is to be able to have that experience for the folks who either read the book or watch the videos that we produce, that they'll have that sense too. And that's what we want for these Gold Star families, for survivor families, regardless of how they define themselves. Because that's really the bottom line is to honor and to celebrate that person's life, to tell that story in its, basically it's an entirety. And we're not out here trying to make heroes of somebody that's not a hero. But even the kid that signs up and 
goes off to basic training and has an accident in basic training and passes away, their life has value. And they had hopes and dreams and goals that are have will cut short. And the people who knew and loved them, there's a loss that will never be filled. And even what we're doing isn't going to fill that hole. But I think it helps to give the survivors a, a way to process that and to deal with their grief and to honor that person. And that's really what what we're wanting to do is to honor these people and to tell their story because they're not here to tell it themselves. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell, but my heart is tightening, <laughs> you know, just hearing you talk. And and I often publicly mention this, I use humor as, as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. and I try to be overly optimistic, but, you know, in hearing you talk, it gets me emotional. Again, it goes back to like, I was already at peace I mean, Mm -hmm. the void will never be filled, like you said, but you learn how to fill it in other ways. It's not the best way, but you learn how to do it. And I'm just so grateful that my family is interested in doing it now. I'm glad that my sister is spearheading it because in an odd way, I feel like I can rest. It's like, okay, like dad's story is being remembered, you know, Mm -hmm. through working with you and, and the way that our family wants to remember him now so that when the final product comes, it's like I can digest that in the way that I want to. Until right. then, I'm going to compartmentalize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this is me. I have like a tiny tear here on the side of my eye now. But I'm going to compartmentalize that because I guess in a weird way, and maybe this is just good for our listeners to know, like what it's like to be a survivor. You know, it's like you just learn to live life, like at least for us. And I know, Dennis, you, you weren't expecting an investigative story, you know, about <laughs> our dad. You know, you didn't know that it'd be so hard to find our dad's investigation papers, you right. know, in the three months that he was missing. Like, I know that you didn't sign up for this. I knew, I knew that you wanted to write the story, but maybe what we're putting you through is going to make your work with other families so much easier because you don't have to play the treasure hunt of like what really happened to dad, you know? Right. But yeah, it's just nice to know that someone out there is doing this now because mm-hmm. it's like, I do feel like it's not just me because, you know, I often mention that Like I had a very strong father-daughter bond, you know, with my dad. And it felt Mm -hmm. like even in my own family, that didn't matter after he was gone. And so I have learned to fill in that void in so many other ways, often toxic ways, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I'm just so appreciative of you and the work that you're doing. And, you know, I often try to have this strong emotional exterior. I've had to be self-sufficient in that way Mm -hmm. because of what I felt like I lacked for 20 years, for 20 plus years. So, you know, I can't wait for the final product. I can't wait because then I'll have my own alone time to just cry and really, (laughs) you know, like unpack what that means for me. But again, I'm just so grateful for this. And I know that this is such a, again, the denial part, this is a topic that no one wants to talk about. Just like the work that Scott and I do, we talk heavily about their survivor benefit plan. No one wants to talk about being a survivor. Like these are very heavy, heavy topics, but either way they have to be had, you know, we have to be reminded that this could potentially happen. And if it does, or if you know someone that experiences this, you have to know that there's a community that's going to be there for you and want to support you and honor, you know, your service members story. So thank you. I feel like that's really all I could say at this point is thank you for what you're doing. And I'm, thankful that we got connected. I'm thankful that we're able to be working on telling your father's story. I would say that what we're talking about is really a truly a part of holding down the fort because it's that ability to be able to function and to 
continue on and raise the family when the service member is deployed. That you know is key to being able to function in those situations where you know the worst has happened. And so I see a real importance and to what you're talking about and what you're helping military families to do in preparation for those hopefully very small numbers of families that, that have to, to work with when, they, when their loved one doesn't come home. So, yeah, and I would say too, yes, we sometimes, I know myself, my own thinking when I was in the denial that kind of goes along with it, that yes, yeah, we're sort of on this. Yes, we know, but no, we don't want to deal with it. That, you know, that, that this is something that should be a part of it. Yes, we should be talking about all the stuff that the military makes you do, which is survivor benefit plans and all the documents, the paperwork and you know, notification next to Canada, that, that sort of stuff. But I think that there should be some conversations about how would a family want to incorporate things that in their day-to-day life that can be there to help us keep our stories together for the future. And I think that that doesn't have to be just a morbid thing to say, well, in case I die, but I think that helps too. I mean, now that I'm 65 and I'm kind of on the other side of this whole life curve here that it's like, yeah, I'm glad I took a whole bunch of pictures when my kids were little and I'm glad we did this and glad it didn't. Oh, I wish I had done more of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's something that thinking about your audience for military families, that maybe that's something that they might want to be thinking about is what can we be doing to make sure our memories of this life that we've lived together is not forgotten. Yeah. Oh, the thing that really stuck out to me was how he was talking about, you know, that while everybody isn't what we would probably traditionally call a hero, everybody's life has value. And I was reminded of, I spent some time working for the USO on a special project with the uh, Army Warrior Transition Command, which that command has a new name now. Basically, it was the wounded, ill, and injured service members, and they were training for the Wounded Warrior Games that happen every year within the DOD. And similar to, you know, how do we define someone's life, like, you know, in telling their story, I remember being shocked that there were guys and girls in this command that were here for this training whose stories ran the gamut from, you know, a vehicle-borne IED to, you know, a gunfight to driving off base to a restaurant and getting in a car accident. And yet all of them were considered a part of this warrior transition command. And all of them were receiving the services they needed to go on and you know, live a happy, healthy, and productive life. And I just have so much respect for being able to tell good stories of good people. And so thank you. Like, I think this is wonderful. Yeah, many thanks. I feel like that's really what we're just doing today, Jen. This is like, thank you. <laughs> I am curious to know, obviously, you know, when the final product is available, people can learn more about my dad's story and our family story. But is there any story in what you've uncovered so far that really stood out to you that maybe I don't even know that you want to share to our listeners today? Well, I guess, I mean, I would say the news to you was what stuck in my mind and the fact that 
in conversation with some of your father's friends from the time that they were both in the Navy together was that you know he had served in the Philippine Army prior to to joining the Navy and being able to find a you know a sort of a gem like that to say well gosh you know we didn't really all the people that I've interviewed thus far knew him only from the time that he was in the U.S. Navy and did not know him before that mm-hmm. so. You know, there's still that piece that we were trying to explore of finding people that knew him as a child. And hopefully we'll find some people we can do that. But I would say that it really throws a, a light on this to say that you know he, he had a, an influence probably from his father to do military service. And that influenced him to go into the into the Philippine Army and then you know into the U.S. Navy to improve life for himself and his family. And I think, honestly, I personally love that this is our first story because to me, your father represents America to me because we are all immigrants to this nation in some one form or fashion or another. And I love that story. And I love being able to talk about that. I wish that we can find somebody who knew him and could talk about you know, the things that really motivated him. I mean, I know that growing up in that era, which I did, because he was close to my age, you know, we're, as guys especially, we're not supposed to talk about those kind of things. And, and like, right. but, but, you know, people that knew him really well, might have, he might have disclosed some of that to them. But, you know, the story of, you know, America is really, I think your father represents really well. And you and your siblings are a piece of that because that's what, you know, you guys are in my eyes and in the eyes of probably a lot of the American public would be a success story, you know, that, that you all have been born in this, you know, U.S. citizens, you've all gone to college, you all have successful lives and, you know, what more could somebody want? And I know there's millions of people across the world that would love to have that be their story too. Well, thanks, Dennis. <laughs> I need a minute. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you You're for welcome. saying that. And then in addition, going back to that word, when I think of forgotten, I think of like, you know, the forgotten story of my dad. I think about kind of even the the forgotten story of the immigrant story, right? Mm-hmm. Like actually, I was just on a kind of a focus group the other day for this nonprofit that serves military families, but the majority of the staff are civilians. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting being on this panel and sharing with them, like, you know, our experiences in the military community and really just saying like, you know, we're not just a bunch of GI Joe figurines here, you know, like we are the most diverse community, you know, most inclusive that you can imagine, you know? And so just to be able to have that kind of representation, I really appreciate, you know, you mentioning that and validating our story. And again, you know, most importantly, making us feel seen very often. I mean, other than the service member, there's a lot of feeling unseen in this community. Right. And so to continue to have resources such as this, and even our podcast here to bring light to our story and who we are, it's very validating. And I'm just glad to have this open, candid conversation with you about this and the work you're doing with us currently. And I hope that our conversation today inspires people and goals our family members to reach out to you. So with that being said, Dennis, let us know if people want to get involved or even want to donate <laughs> to the Price of Freedom Absolutely. Foundation, let us know how they can do that. Well, number one, they can visit our website. It is www.priceoffreedomfoundation.org. They can call us by phone 
That phone number is 615-389-1867. Or they can send an email to info at priceoffreedomfoundation.org. Any of those ways would be ways that they can reach out to me. And we also have a Facebook page, Facebook group, uh, we have a LinkedIn page, we have an Instagram page, and a YouTube channel. Our greatest following is currently on our Facebook page, but we do have a presence on all those other platforms. We certainly do need support. We need financial support to help, especially with the publishing piece of this and with the video editing and art direction. I don't have volunteers currently who have those skills and have the ability to say, hey, I'm going to devote uh, a lot of hours to, to this because, uh, I mean, with what we've, uh, the interviews we've done so far and the home uh, videos that uh, have been shared, we have probably about 30 hours worth of video to go through. And I know we're going to have more uh, before we're finished with this. So we can definitely use volunteers, people who are skilled in this, people who want, maybe somebody wants to, to help with the research part of this as well. So the phone number, email, website, social media, always for people to reach out to us. Awesome. Thank you. And I appreciate you mentioning the phone number. It reminds me of how much of a millennial I am because I'm like, no, just email me. (laughs) And I was like, wow, he's sharing a phone number. (laughs) Thank you so much for that, Dennis. And, you know, Jenny Lynn, I want to just thank you for being a part of this conversation with us. I know that on the show, we often talk about a lot of heavy topics and I don't often talk about this, I think. So I just want to thank you for being a part of this conversation and see if you had any closing thoughts for us and for Dennis. No, other than to also use humor to deflect all of the emotions. Yes, (laughs) I'm not the only one. (laughs) And can we text that phone number like that? That's going to be, that's where I'm at with phone numbers. (laughs) Yes, we can text too. Yes, I'm not quite that old school. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you all for ending on uh, such a positive note. And again, I want to acknowledge that, you know, today is Gold Star Family Day, also known as Gold Star Mother's Day, from what I understand. And there's actually a specific day for Gold Star spouses. I'll have to like double check my notes on that. And also, again, acknowledging that it is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So I don't think that it was an accident that both of these would be acknowledged at the same time. Well, Dennis, thank you so much again for joining us. Any final closing thoughts before we go? My closing thoughts would be just I'm thankful for this opportunity to be on your program and thank you for the work that you are doing in support of military families. We're having lived this life for as long as I did and still having a heart for those actively in the military and being military families. It's a tough road to hoe and and you guys are, are helping them to manage and just thank you for this opportunity and for what you're doing. Thank you, Dennis. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you all so much for being a part of our conversation today. We'll have it in the show notes. uh, Should you want to reach out to Dennis and check out Price of Freedom Foundation. Other than that, thank you all so much for listening and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. 
If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Oh,